You're now tuned in to VC Cheat Sheet, the podcast that gives entrepreneurs straight to the point information and behind the scenes access on raising money. Brought to you by the Center for Urban Entrepreneurship and Economic Development at Rutgers University. You're listening to VC Cheat Sheet and I'm your host, Melissa S. Jackson. If this is your first time listening, then thank you for tuning in. And if not, thanks for coming back. The goal of the podcast is to help Black and Latino-led startups gain insight into the world of venture and private capital through mentorship and advice. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at The Q, that's T-H-E-C-U-E-E-D. All the links are provided in the show notes at bccheatsheet.com. Now let's get into the show. VC Cheat Sheet, I speak with Dimitri Kuvaros and John Lynn about what to expect when you get into an accelerator. Many people think accelerators are an easy way to gain money and access to a large network. But this episode gives you the facts. We talk about the nuances of accelerators, incubators, and how to maximize your experience when you get into one. Dimitri is a program manager for Newark Venture Partners Accelerator, and John Lynn manages a consortium of accelerator leadership here in New York called NYC Innovation Collective. Listen in. So I'm here with Dimitri and John, and today we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, accelerators and incubators. So before I jump in, Dimitri, tell me a little bit about yourself. Oh, geez. Uh, So my name is Dimitri Kuvaros, and I currently am the director of Accelerator at Newark Venture Partners, uh, which is a... uh, uh, a new Newark-based fund and accelerator. We invest in pre-seed to Series A companies, technology-based companies. Uh, it doesn't have to be companies based in Newark. Uh, it could be anywhere around the world. We've invested in companies from Canada to Poland to San Francisco to Raleigh, D.C. Um, so that's what I do right now. And additionally, previously, uh, I used to work at Silicon Valley Bank, which is a bank for tech companies and investors dealing with early-stage startups and, and early-stage VCs. Uh, prior to that, I also used to be in a company called PlaceMeter. Uh, I used to be D for them, and uh, it was a company that went through Techstars in 2013 and recently got acquired by Netgear in December 2016. Uh, and somewhere in the middle of that, I, I ran a ton of hackathons with Startup Weekend, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, in 700 cities around the world at this point, if not more. And lastly, on my background, uh, I used to run an accelerator called Startup Next, uh, which is a pre-accelerator that I used to run with Matt Hooper. And uh, later on, it was acquired by Techstars as well. Awesome. Pretty cool. So no shortage of talent on this end. So John, tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, So I do two things in the accelerator space. The uh, first is the New York City Innovation Collective, uh, which is a network. Um, 79 tech startup accelerators based in New York City, representing uh, hundreds of startups that have been through accelerator programs in New York and at least as many jobs. Building off of that initiative uh, is also the Studio Project, uh, an accelerator under my own team's brand. And our goal there is to expand and scale the accelerator model uh, for the new economy. So we're imagining ways that uh, the accelerator model can be understood as a proof of concept for a system that can uh, provide responsiveness inside of universities, corporates, governments, uh, as the economy changes in the way that it's served the tech community. Um, 
Prior to these initiatives, uh, the story of my life in the tech community has been accelerators. Uh, I entered through an accelerator called Startup Institute, uh, then started on my first company, got my first term sheet from Betaspring, uh, ended up on staff at Techstars in New York, and then I ended up running Startup Institute, uh, the program I entered the, the community through in New York City, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, from there have moved on to the Studio Project and the Innovation Collective. Awesome. So both of you work in the accelerator space, but I invited you today to talk a little bit about uh, demystifying the difference between an incubator and an accelerator, because I think sometimes they're used interchangeably. So um, what's the difference? Either one. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I uh, I have a couple of ideas uh, on that. Uh, because the term accelerator uh, means so many different things uh, right. so many different settings now. Um, I've heard definitions ranging from a service that helps connect corporates to startups to uh, the traditional definition that our organizations abide by, which is uh, a cohort-based curriculum experience delivered by industry incumbents in the tech community. Right. Um, they're... Uh, The goal of an accelerator is typically to enable uh, 18 months of growth for a startup founding team uh, in three months by exposing that team to the accelerator's network of mentors, founders, investors. Um, Given that definition, I regard an incubator as a similar community of creativity and startup talent um, that is not curriculum-based. So to have a co-working element, uh, there will be participation from the tech community in terms of mentorship. There will be programming, but it won't necessarily be driving towards an outcome in the way that an accelerator is. Mm-hmm. And you use the word uh, growth earlier. So mm-hmm. when you're talking about uh, companies going through accelerators to experience growth, you know, if I'm an independent entrepreneur or I'm a solo entrepreneur, as I say, should I be looking into the accelerator or should I be looking to the incubator experience? Is sure. there a difference? Yeah. Uh, from my perspective and, and Dimitri, uh, add on to this. Um, I don't think it's ever too early to be talking to an accelerator, okay. but I also don't think it's ever too early to be building any part of your company. You should always be talking to the people that you think you might bring on first, to the investors you want, the customers you want support from, mm-hmm. um, any element of the game that you really need to be making progress on at any point. So I think accelerators obey that rule. I think there is a too early to be in an accelerator. Um, okay. And I think you want to aim to be in an accelerator once you're in market with an alpha or beta of some kind. Okay. So the relationship can start as early as possible. I think so. But the actual being in the accelerator should happen when, Dimitri? So, uh, as a company, to be in the accelerator, well, first of all, going back to your point, that we live in, in a, this industry is very relationship based. Mm-hmm. So, even if you have this idea, get to know the accelerators, get to know the incubators, the VCs, the other founders. Mm-hmm. That's just how it works uh, because you just never know. And when you're ready, you'll know, and then you'll just knock on someone's door. So, get to know. Let's talk through that, right? Because someone will hear that and say that this is a prime opportunity to stalk Dimitri. <laughs> So what does the get to know experience really look like? Right. Should that be a combination of things? Uh, Is it one or two things you think entrepreneurs should focus on? So this is like the ambiguous part of the the scene of, you know, VC or accelerator guys to to founders Mm -hmm. because they just don't know how to 
do that relationship because they just say build the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the key no-nos is the first time I see within the first 30 seconds, you give me a business card, I will put it in my back pocket and I will forget. Uh, right. You need to let me know who you are first before you give me that business card or never give me a business card. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm actually better if I don't receive it, to be honest with you, because I like to have that. So, okay. So, I guess building up a relationship in this case would be, if you see me at an event, right. don't pitch me your startup off the bat. Okay. Um, it's going to be, I want to know that you are... Uh, a good person, you're a very interesting, you're building something cool. I don't have to know super detailed information about it. Um, but if you see me play it cool and, and whenever I go to an event or a meetup, you know, I might get bombarded with a ton of people reaching out to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's always that one person that's like, Hey, I don't want, I don't want to destroy your time. I think you're pretty cool. I'll talk about some amazing stuff. Uh, let's chat later if you have time. And mm-hmm. then they'll, they'll get my email for me and, uh, show me an email or I'll shoot them an email and we'll just have coffee afterwards. Okay. So, uh, and the worst thing I would see is probably when I'm in, at an event or someone just sees me in an elevator and they just uh, don't let me talk. Don't let you talk. Don't okay. let me talk. Yeah, because I think there's something to be said of listening over trying to pitch yeah. someone all the time. Yes. Yeah. To be honest, the best thing is just spend a minute with me or more if, or if time allows. And then let's just take it offline and talk coffee afterwards. That's probably the best scenario. Okay. So let's talk about this idea that as a tech company, I absolutely need to be in an accelerator. Is that true? False? Somewhere in between? Uh, it would, it depends. Okay. Uh, if, if you were at a stage where, uh, you think that you are a proper CEO and you have a very, uh, very strong team, and if there's, uh, if you have enough cash in the bank and/or investor interest, uh-huh. or you've done it before, maybe you're a serial entrepreneur. I wouldn't say an accelerator is probably the best fit for you, but there are plenty of serial entrepreneurs that have exited that still went through accelerators. Actually, my last company placement did exactly that. Uh-huh. Uh, the, one of the founders actually sold the company and IPO'd it, and still went through TechStars, even though uh, it felt like he didn't need it, but he needed it. Um, so I would say it, it really depends on. Do you think you need, if an accelerator that's cash, you need the cash. If an accelerator that uh, provides themselves uh, a ton of uh, associates to help you with support as a founder, design, dev, <clears throat> BD sales, um, or maybe, you know, let's say you're an enterprise. Now, when you're saying that, just to, just to be clear, yeah. not all accelerators are created equally. No. Right? So just because you hear the name accelerator doesn't necessarily mean that there's a cash prize at the door or. Exactly. So yeah. talk me through the different types of accelerators and what I should be strategically aligning my company to. Sure. And I think John could chime in here, too. Yeah. But it's also do your thorough research and due diligence on each accelerator, because a first off, look, do they have cash? And how's that cash uh, sent to you? Is it 100K? Mm-hmm. Does it mean 100K in your bank? Or is there a program fee? A lot of accelerators do have that 20 to 50K program fee. So mm. uh, optically it might be 100, but in your bank you might get 50. Um, then look at uh, historical portfolio companies. Have they done a good job with their past cohorts? And even talk to the portfolio companies in the last cohort, say, what was your experience like? Um, some accelerators offer that portfolio support, the devs, designers, and, and business folks like mm-hmm. Techstars. Uh, we do as well, but uh, some people don't. And do you need that or do you not need that? Uh, and some other cases, they just provide a ton of partners, uh, whether it's a ton of corporates or just other uh, or service providers. Um, you know, companies like Sengert or AWS provide a ton of credits. Uh, this is something at a current stage your company needs right now. 
um, to help propel you. John, what was your take? Yeah, yeah, no, I have a couple of thoughts on um, on the way that those arrangements only a couple differ. <laughs> Come on, man, we narrow it down to maybe one. Yeah, two. well, even inside of the programs that that, that are inside of our network, uh, the, arrange, the specific arrangement with the team varies. Not just program to program, but sometimes uh-huh. team to team. Right, it can depend on what. Um, what's going on with each team and and what uh, each program team relationship wants to accomplish. But I also wanted to return to your earlier question uh, and start off with that about Mm -hmm. uh, does does everyone need to go into an accelerator? And I think just like any other question in terms of what a founder should be thinking about and have top of mind, there's no one right way to build a great company. And clearly there are many companies that have been built that are great that have not been through an accelerator. Um, But the one uh, thought I wanted to add to that is that uh, they can benefit companies of any kind. So not while not so while not every company needs to go through an accelerator, uh, accelerators can benefit companies at a variety of stages. I think everybody uh, remembers the news of the ACLU being admitted to the newest YC class, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I think that's a really exciting um, development in terms of our perspective on mm-hmm. the applicability and range of the accelerator model, mm-hmm. but it also shows how powerful the model is inside of the tech community. So uh, accelerators are not just for first-time founders. Uh, there are uh, accelerators, uh, accelerator cohorts that are built from people that are pre-launched mm-hmm. on through people that have already raised $2 million and have 8 million teams and have built a successful company in the past. Um, so they can deliver value in a robust way regardless of company or experience. Um, so I wanted to add that response to your to your first question. Okay. But um, in terms of uh, how to make what to expect as far as an arrangement with with an accelerator mm-hmm. is that the, the your most yeah let's let's you know? let's go with that one cool um, they yeah those arrangements range uh, from mm-hmm. program to program um, traditionally uh, it's been an equity uh, stake in combination with some form of cash equity and convertible note mm-hmm. um, but as Dimitri said, it, it depends. Uh, not all accelerators even deal with companies now, right? Sometimes they deal with uh, solo founders that are before their idea stage that maybe aren't incorporated. So let's talk about those types of accelerators. Sure. <laughs> you know, because I, I see a lot of companies, uh, solo entrepreneurs who don't have a product yet, or they're very close to mm. having a product, maybe in beta, or they may have some wireframes, or they may just have some sketches of what they'd like to produce. So what accelerators are out there for those those people? Sure. I think the uh, most well-known, uh, the most global, and the most experienced is Founders Institute uh, in, in regards to that particular Founders niche. Institute. Founders Institute. Okay. And where are they based? Uh, so they, they are based uh, out west, but they have programs running in cities all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the managing director of the New York uh, program, Kevin, is a good friend and part of the leadership team of the NYC Innovation Collective. Okay. Um, and uh, what they do is offer a once one night per week uh, curriculum that uh, is you do have to apply for and be selected for, uh, but that helps you build out from being somebody with high ability, high interest, and passion for a particular market or problem, and dissolve that uh, that energy into something that is a product with the market mm-hmm. that has a has a business case attached right. to it. Um, 
so Founders Institute is the is the sort of most well known example of the kind of program I'm talking about. Okay. Um, but there are there are others as well. Okay. And I want to kind of come back to this idea of funding, right? And like, not all incubator, I'm sorry, not all accelerators necessarily offer funding. Um, for those that do offer some type of seed capital, um, is there an expectation that once you're in an accelerator, you're kind of set in terms of asking for more money or getting access to more capital? What should your expectation be once you secure a position in an accelerator? Yeah, so as a startup entering an accelerator, an accelerator that hopefully gives you cash, which is the majority of them, but still, do your research. Um, almost all accelerators have uh, a, the kind of label, we're gonna do investor intros for you. Um, Say that, it's investor... Investor intros, introductions. Okay, investor introductions, got it. Yeah, so a lot of accelerators kind of pride themselves in, uh, if you get into our program, you not only get access to uh, the check that we write you, but also to our network, which the majority of them are investors. Uh, Angels or uh, other programs or uh, more notably venture capitalists, so other VC funds. now it's not definite, you know, think about like a typical accelerator program of like 11 companies, maybe a year afterwards, only four, maybe five of them actually get like the legitimate next round, a seed or a series A. So it's not a definite, mm-hmm. it just, they try to help increase your odds by give, getting you in front of these people, preparing you to get in front of these people. Okay. Um, and then they do have the network. Uh, but at the end of the day, if uh, a, a VC is just not interested in your company, uh, it doesn't matter that how you got in front of them. It's a matter of, is it a good fit mm-hmm. to write a check or not? Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely does help for sure. Because the reality is think of an accelerator, a typical three month long accelerator program. Every month is a year of acceleration that you wouldn't have had before. So literally it's like two to three years of just propelling your company, not just you as the founders, but also the employees, the interns as well, because you're just being thrown so many mentors, so many classes and workshops, seeing 10 plus other companies in the space grow in different ways, fight successes and problems in a variety of forms. So it's actually pretty interesting. So it's not just funding, but funding is a big aspect of it. Got it. Um, so it definitely does get you a little bit further. So it's, is it a good idea to kind of go to, you know, either yourself or John saying, I need seed funding and, and that be the main focus of the conversation? How, so let's talk a little bit about etiquette, right, in terms of how you build these relationships, because that's the this running theme as we've been talking to different people about podcasts on different topics, but this idea of really relationship building. So can you guys talk a little bit about accelerator etiquette and, you know, some, some best practices for approaching, sure. approaching you guys? I, I think that's a great question, especially in terms of the sort of historical context of accelerators. Mm-hmm. Um, they were originally created by the management teams of Y Combinator and Techstars to professionalize the angel investment process. So they had founders coming to them saying, hey, I'm super serious. I've made all this traction. Um, I would like a check from you or uh, for to get uh, support from. <laughs> I like the way you said it. I would like to get your money. And it's hard to, to, to invest that way, right? Okay. Because you're mm-hmm. such an unknown quantity. Right, right. And with somebody who has the ability to write an angel check, um, they want to be putting their money in the, in the best places. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of the advantage of an accelerator is the fact that you are becoming a known quantity to not just 
just that accelerator team, but to a network mm -hmm. of founders who have their own networks of investors mm -hmm. and to the accelerator's network of investors. Mm -hmm. um, so, the, uh, so, so just from a historical perspective, uh, the question you're asking is actually what an accelerator is an answer to. Mm -hmm. um, now, as far as, as etiquette goes, um, I think Dimitri made the most important point uh, on that, which is to establish a relationship. Um, it's a huge theme uh, that I experienced at Startup Institute, at Techstars, but has really driven, I feel, uh, a lot of my progress in the community um, is this sort of give first mentality. Um, and even if you're in a relationship, you're entering a relationship with an investor or a mentor, and they have many more uh, connections and much more experience and resources that they have access to, mm -hmm. you still want to be aggressive about finding ways to be helpful to them and to understand uh, sort of what their initiatives are, mm -hmm. how you can fit into it, uh, and where you can contribute to that mission in addition to being a part of it as, an, as a piece of their portfolio. So I think getting into a conversation where you develop a sense of what's driving that person, where they want to go, and how they're having problems getting there, to keep those problems in mind um, and potentially be a solution for them down the line mm -hmm. is one of the one of the most important things to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll say one more thing on that before yeah. I turn it over to Demetrius, is that uh, even if you can't uh, immediately help with the problem that somebody uh, you know who is sort of senior in the community to you is dealing with, it still shows that you're somebody who is looking to build uh, a uh, a culture of sharing and collaboration in the community, and that that person can trust to to be a positive influence um, as part of their network. Okay, uh, where do you guys hang out? Right. So when you're looking for talent, not personally. But when you're looking oh, for what? talent, we'll talk about that in another in another session. But um, you know, where do accelerator leaders like yourself go and find talent? One of the uh, pressing challenges of the program that I manage is you know founders of color feeling like they either don't have access or somehow there's this disconnect um, between accelerator <coughs> leaders, VCs, angels. So. Um, you know, what are some good spots for us to direct them? Yeah, so real quick, because I just went through a couple of cohorts and one, oh, sorry, a month ago. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's let's take it optically first. So every accelerator that begins, I'm just going to go through the application process and then how I get them. Mm -hmm. So uh, eventually an accelerator says, hey, we're going to launch and we're going to have our applications open. Mm -hmm. So then we're going to have applications open on Angelus, on F-Success, okay. on our website. So that's where we get this flood of hundreds or in some cases thousands or thousands of applications. Okay. Um, a lot of it's going to be digital. Digital pipeline. Digital pipeline. Okay. Uh, and then we kind of go down the funnel and then we're going to go ask our, uh, our friends and, and family in the network, which means uh, other VCs, uh, potentially other accelerators, mm. uh, service providers like banks like Silicon Valley Bank or Square One, mm. uh, law firms like Cooley or Goodwin Proctor, because mm -hmm. they have a ton of startups just in their network mm -hmm. and the startups need help. So they're trying to do their best to help them out too. Mm -hmm. So I ask everyone from that from that level. Um, other founders are the portfolio companies. So that's kind of like a typical uh, funnel of how I get introduced or how I get to know companies as the application process is open. Mm -hmm. um, so where I hang out when my applications are open, 
are going to be with the other VCs, mm -hmm. with the other accelerators, with the law firms. So I'm just trying to meeting them like crazy. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, when accelerator uh, applications are open, there's just a ton of pitch nights or events that I kind of want to be out in the market for. Mm -hmm. So I'll always be judging events like uh, NYU's Flash Pitch. I'll always be there either in attendance or be a judge um, or some other events. And you'll kind of go through, if you're near, based in New York City or the East Coast, Gary's Guide is a great one mm -hmm. where all these events are kind of listed out on. And uh, you'll see a ton of accelerator MDs or, uh, or VCs kind of, you know, uh, participate or be speakers or judges at these types of events. So during my application process, I, uh, I'm either on email or uh, physically speaking at these events. Um, yeah, I think one thing that's developing in many, in many things to, to Dimitri uh, inside of the accelerator community uh, is a shared uh, awareness of what companies are interested in getting into an accelerator, which is a way of saying, um, even if you apply to an accelerator and you end up not being a match, the rest know about you or can't. Mm. Um, so always keep in mind ways that you can be leveraging your existing efforts and relationships that you have towards expanding uh, the connections towards opportunities. Do, do you do you guys ever, so say Dimitri finds a company that MVP may not necessarily be interested in, but you know maybe your accelerator is. Do you guys do that often? Let do me share? Super quick uh, on that standpoint, because we see, let's say, 400 to 1,000 applications, right. and we only accept 10 or so. Okay. Then we have all this bundle of other companies that we just, they're kind of there, and hopefully they apply to our next batch. Mm -hmm. um, but there is every so often where there's a company that just wasn't a good fit, but they're such a good fit for another accelerator. Mm -hmm. If that company left a lasting impression on me, mm. whether uh, it's the metrics of their company, the way they handle the company, or just their personality as a founder or as a person, mm. I'm more prone to introduce them to uh, another accelerator MD or even to John to help me direct them in the right place. That actually does happen. doesn't happen with all those companies, right. but the ones that do have the lasting impressions that I just felt terrible not putting into this batch. Got it. Yeah. Okay, so it's not necessarily the norm, and I shouldn't necessarily go out and say, hey, can you introduce me to John, or, or should I? Uh, it depends. If you felt that there was an actual relationship there where, okay. let's say we had coffee and it just became, uh, uh, not super personal, but super social, where we actually just liked each other as people, mm -hmm. uh, I think at that point you totally can. Uh, in some cases, I just don't think that's the case. But if you think we build up a, what's the word, rapport? Rapport. 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 <laughs> I would totally say yes. Okay. Um, and same with VCs. Let's say uh, there's a VC that says no to you. You're totally down to say, do you know any other VCs that might make sense for us? Uh, it's less so in the accelerator space to do that just because people might think it's competitive, but it's really not. So it's totally fair game to ask that. It just depends on our relationship with you yeah. if we're going to do it or not. Yeah. I think I think that, that that actually is the second part of my answer. In addition to knowing how you know the your relationship with one accelerator is not the beginning and end of the game, right? Okay. Uh, your research is really an important part of it. So if you uh, don't get into a cohort that you've applied to at an accelerator, do look at the networks of the. Uh, the management team and see if they're connected to other people that might be a good match for you. But in terms of your question, mm -hmm. where do you find us or people like us? Mm -hmm. um, do your research and look at our online footprints. Uh, if you look me up online, you can see that I'm not only uh, helping lead this accelerator network and doing my own accelerator and have experience in networks at other accelerators in New York City, um, but I also lead a 7,000-person meetup that I run every month that I'm always at. Um, What's the name of the meetup? 
a hacker nest. Um, and oh, that's you? Yeah. What? Look, look at this all sharing information. <laughs> I've known him for years. I never knew that. I well. didn't know you didn't know that, yeah. <laughs> um, I actually uh, helped bring that to New York when I was at Techstars. Um, but, uh, and then I'm on the board for SheWorks, which is a network, a global network of female entrepreneurs. Okay. Um, the Innovation Council for Forward.us, which is a, uh, an effort by the tech community to enable um, uh, talent from other countries to come and more easily uh, participate in the startup ecosystem in, uh, in the United States, all of which represent ways to connect with me, right? Those are interests that I have, uh-huh. activities that I'm engaging with that right. you can come and, and open up uh, a conversation about or find where to find me using. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so lastly, if there were one, maybe two takeaways that you'd want entrepreneurs, particularly um, you know, entrepreneurs who are having a hard time accessing capital, what would those t- takeaways be? Um, whether they be, you know, surrounding etiquette, uh, surrounding what they should be looking for. I want to leave people with that one thing that you want people to know that's not really being talked about. Yeah. Uh, from what I see on the company standpoint, if they're having trouble raising or whatever it may be, um, one of the bigger things I see is that they just have to have a better understanding or a better grasp of understanding their business. Mm. So uh, when you're a founder, especially first time founder, or maybe you're a founder just not in the tech software space, um, there's a lot of things where you, know, you don't know what you don't know. Mm. Um, so when you come up to an investor or someone in the accelerator space, and, uh, and we ask you metric-based questions or just we want to get a better understanding of your business and uh, it's you don't tell a good story, uh, but you think you do because you've never really done it before, so you don't have any uh, uh, understanding of what's good or what's bad, where the line is. Um, and also, example, one of the bigger things I see is I'm raising 500K and uh, the investor says, why? And you say, because we want growth. That is a terrible response. Mm-hmm. We want to know not exactly dollar for dollar where it's going to go. We want to know how it's going to be spent. And uh, how many months does that give you? Does it give you five months or does it give you 16 months? Right. We want to have an understanding of that. You not only know your business, but if you were to get 500K right now, the money that you're asking for, how would that be distributed and how, where would that get you today? And then going forward, where would that get you? So just get an understanding of, of the big thing is the story and the metrics behind your business. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the bigger reasons, if it's like a solid business uh, or, or a product, a lot of the cases it's you just didn't sell us uh, strong enough as you should have. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it is because you just don't know what you don't know or you just want a good understanding of it, which comes from the not knowing part. So. Okay. And, and John, I want to hear your perspective on it, but you actually kind of brought me back to something I was oh, thinking no. about. Uh-oh. <laughs> this idea of disclosure, right? So are you, do you guys sign NDAs? Never. Okay. John is shaking his head. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, if, I, if I'm coming to you about my company and I really want to talk to you not only about the product, but if I'm also talking to you about the financials, that can be kind of personal for certain people. So yeah. is the expectation that, you know, I, I should just bear all? Are there limits to that? You know, help, help me think this through. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is going to be, it might be tough, especially if it's your first rodeo as mm-hmm. a founder. But, uh, you know, we live in a time and an era where uh, NDAs just aren't a thing for, for founders to investors, especially in the early stage side, because what are the odds an investor is going to steal your idea? Almost nil. <laughs> um, so regarding finance, I mean, it's not something that you should just throw on us 
usually we're going to ask it. And if we ask it, we, our, your response shouldn't be, can you sign this, please? Mm. Uh, because it just, you know, we, we listen to thousands of companies pitch us a year. Uh, and it gets, you know, we're going to go for the ones that just make it an easier time as well. So you're going to be this hassle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could come, it could stem because you just don't know and you just want to protect yourself. But uh, you have to open yourself up to that. Uh, it's right. just kind of the space and the era we're in. Because honestly, some well-known investors, they just don't have the time for that. And they'll probably tell you up front, uh, it's a no, it's a pass on us because of this reason, okay. um, regardless of the business itself. It's just because if you were to showcase an NDA to, to an investor, um, it might just be, oh, they're new to this, they don't know. So it might be difficult and other problems might stem because of that, mm. that we haven't foreseen yet. So that's kind of what's in my mind. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I very much agree um, to everything Dimitri said. A quick anecdote, uh, we held, the Innovation Collective held in New York Tech Ecosystem Summit last Friday where we had the Accelerator Network present, but also service providers like VCs, angels, uh, institutional innovators, and entrepreneurs. And on one of the panels, uh, a an entrepreneur uh, stood up and asked a question to uh, a few investors, and the investors asked them from the stage what their MR, their monthly recurring revenue is, what their burn rate was, mm-hmm. how long they've been in progress, who their customer is. Um, and the founder fluently answered those questions with comfort and confidence. It's just part of the culture okay. um, uh, in, in the tech community is, is that we are all here to support each other, but we all also want to, everyone to get to the right answer as quickly as possible. So the way that that happens is by being transparent. Okay, so it's not just knowing that, but also being able to express that clearly. Yeah, yeah. It's something that you shouldn't, you shouldn't be worried about. Okay. The, the second piece of it is is, um, you know, as far as technical diligence or IP, mm-hmm. um, there's often a feeling amongst early founders and, and, uh, and new founders that uh, their idea is more important than they are mm-hmm. and that they must protect that idea. And it's... Because no one's ever no had one that, else idea. Has that idea. <laughs> um, at, at all costs. And uh-huh. that there should be paperwork done whenever they talk about it. And okay. The reality yeah. is um, that if, if you've thought of something, there's not only other people that have thought about it, but there's also other people that are working on it. Right. Um, and what will um, separate you in, in the long run is you and the people you surround yourself with, which uh, was the answer that I wanted to share to your earlier question, what do I wish uh, everybody knew? And I think uh, building off of Dimitri's Dimitri's response about um, having a deeper understanding of your business case, um, that you also want to understand the difference between uh, your business and your company. Mm. And what I mean by that uh, is is actually a pretty important concept in startup investing generally, but especially in the accelerator space, um, is that the the potential of a company has more to do with the people driving its progress than it does with the ideas and processes they've set up. Mm. And those concepts, those processes and those systems that are capturing revenue uh, and creating value inside of the marketplace are your business. But your company is your team. And the people, as far as uh, co-founders, employees, uh, investors, mentors, advisors that you've brought together to drive this mission forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can build multiple businesses, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it can grow into, into many different directions, but it's got to have that core team to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I wish that more early founders were thinking deeply about making a case for their company 
in addition to their business. John, wasn't the old tech service motto, uh, when we look for a company, we look for team, 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 product team in that order. <laughs> that was uh, That's what it was kind of pitched to me when I was going through Techstars. And running this accelerator, I was like, how much of the team is? I know it's very important in number one, but is it you know, four of the five? Mm. And I realized it definitely is. Really? Oh, yes. Because okay. you want a lean, strong team, whether uh, industry experience, product and tech or design. And people that, uh, if they see a problem, they can change it uh, very quickly. Or even the team that's strong enough to say, hey, our current iteration is not working. Let's pivot to something else. Because some people just don't even think about that. So definitely team, 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 product team. I'd much rather invest in the accelerator stage in a team uh, than anything else. Okay. And do accelerators help build teams or is that more of an incubator? Uh, I would say that you enter the accelerator with a team, mm. with the core team, the core people. It doesn't have to be all founders. Uh, it could just be the core founding members. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could build off on that afterwards. We can help you with that. But if you enter the accelerator, it, a strong team has to be in place. And a lot of people take that like, what does that mean? It's going to be someone with either industry experience and or product and or good dev background if it's a software product or if it's a hardware, someone that's understands manufacturing. So you know that they have as many people on a team to cover all aspects of the business mm. uh, to the best of their abilities. I think that's important to keep in mind, especially in the context of your earlier question about when should you do an accelerator. Um, I think there is a too early to do one, but no matter what, whenever you're in one, know what you need and can get out of it. And it doesn't just have to be being able to raise $1.4 million coming out of it. It can also be having the ideal customer, um, mm-hmm. you know, signing a check for you. It can be uh, developing your team into certain directions, getting more technical or more business savvy. It can be about having a top-tier advisor. Uh, that's up to you in the accelerator experience. And that's, the, that's part of the value mm-hmm. is that you get to... Uh, own and drive that experience in collaboration with the accelerator team. Yeah, milestone shouldn't be funding based. It should be growing your business in every aspect. It could be growing the team. It could be getting, if you're enterprise based, getting clients, okay. just understanding the business even better. But it should never be raising a $1.4 million round post accelerator. That is just an L. Money isn't everything you're saying. Money definitely does help. And you <laughs> definitely want to hopefully raise it if, if you need that. Okay. Uh, but the accelerator is there to not only give you the introductions to the investors, but really build out your business uh-huh. and introducing to the right people. And let's say it's your first two clients. Are they the right first two clients? Like figuring out those types of questions, the why, why, why's, and then building out from there. We'll still help you with fundraising, but like we want you to build a business, mm-hmm. not raise money. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... And I know, last question. Is it looked down upon to try to get into multiple accelerators? Should I have, you know, that quintessential accelerator I need to get into and then stop there? Or, you know, can I get into two, three, four accelerators if if I'm offered? Yeah. I mean, first of all, when you... uh when you're going uh, application accelerator frenzy, you're gonna apply to as many as possible. Maybe you get into that one, then maybe there's only one that accepted you and you just want to do it. Um, maybe it was a Techstar, maybe it was a YC, maybe it was a Dreamit, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. or an ERA, you know, uh, and if you think it makes sense for you and the company and your team, go for it and all your stakeholders. Okay. Um, now, let's say you get to that one accelerator and then you get accepted into this other one. Uh, there is definitely a, a trend here where in the last couple of years, more and more companies have been going to multiple accelerators, namely two. Uh, as a stat, in my last class, there were nine companies in my cohort, five of which came from uh, other accelerators as well. Nice. Okay. Uh, which is very interesting. Yeah, that's pretty high. And uh, But either, either way, um, 
It really depends. And, okay. and the way I see it is, uh, do they provide, maybe you just need the cash. Uh, maybe they provide a larger check size. Maybe they provide business experience. Maybe it's industry focused. Maybe for manufacturing and it's a manufacturing hardware-based accelerator. Mm-hmm. For the second one, I would say totally recommend it if you need help shipping your product or building it out. Mm-hmm. Um, it really depends if it makes sense. I wouldn't just do an accelerator for the for just doing an accelerator. That's just not right. the point. But of it me. goes back to what you guys were saying, this idea of know why you're here and know what you want to get out of the experience. Yeah, so, so I, th- I think when you, you know, to answer the question, um, when you think about, well, is it is it okay to be applying to different programs? Mm-hmm. I think if you compare it to any other sales process, because that's what fundraising is and that's what getting into an accelerator is, it's the sales process, mm-hmm. that it helps to know what you're looking for and what you're selecting for. Yeah. And not just that you fit the rubric of whatever that the, that program or investor is. And that when there's that alignment, uh, it doesn't matter if you're having that conversation with other people because you're having an intelligent conversation mm-hmm. with everyone. Got it. Okay. So how can we find out more about NVP and what you're doing? Uh, you can Dimitri. go on our website. Okay. Uh, it's pretty long, but we have a shorter one. It's newark.vc. Mm-hmm. Uh, check it out. Um, if you want to know more about me or how uh, uh, we run our current classes or want to know more about our future classes, you can uh, shoot me out on LinkedIn or t- our Twitter. My Twitter handle is DKMITSOS. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter's probably the best way to get in front of me because uh, if I show you my phone right now, my email is, uh, is all over the place. And Melissa, I want you to verbally state out the number that it says right there. Ooh, 102,431 emails. So email's probably not the best way to get in front of me, <laughs> but Twitter definitely is. <laughs> wow. Okay. And for you, John? Yeah. Uh, so the New York City Innovation Collective, the network of accelerators we run, uh-huh. uh, you can find out more uh, using uh, nycinnovationcollective.com. Okay. Um, the studio project is studioproject.co. My personal Twitter is at jmlin7. Um, we are, I'm interested in getting in touch with anyone who's looking to enter the ecosystem, whether it's as a founder or employee or mentor or something else, um, which is really what we want to be creating with these initiatives. So reach out. Got it. And how many emails do you have? No. (laughs) 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 All right. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes so you can stay up to date on new episodes featuring more insiders. Have any questions? Leave us a comment on this episode at bccheatsheet.com. Or you can tweet us at the Cued, that's T-H-E-C-U-E-E-D. Until next time, be great, and it's a wrap.